Good morning. Good morning, um, IDC. It's so good to be here. I've already been introduced. My name is Doug Logan. At my church, most people just call me Pastor Diddy. So we're going to have some fun. I am honored to be here as I get to serve with Tony, um, Dr. Marita, forgive me, Merida, um, at Acts 29 and at Grimke. He's the greatest dean on the earth. Amen, somebody. Um, so, man, it is my joy to be here. Uh, me and Angel, praise God, to have hung out last night with the crazy Maritas and my little psycho nieces that I love so dearly. They're somewhere around here, Victoria and, and, and that beautiful little baby. Look at her back there. You better have been at church. She said she won't come in. He's here, but I praise God. It's just great to be here. We had fun at the 8 o'clock. Um, I promise I'm not going to pick on Christy Britton. I said I might, but I'm, I might not today. We're going to see what happens. But let's jump into this text, and let's, let's just open the Word of God. And what, But I want to say, that song was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. I looked, closed my eyes. I thought I was at the Church of God in Christ. And... Uh, it was just a good, good time, a good time of worship, a good time to jump in this word. So let's jump in. Prayer has been offered. Um, scripture has been read. I just want to dive right into the text. Is that all right? Amen. Let's jump right in. I, in light of the, the passage and in light of the series, um, Mission Together, on Mission Together, my simple title is On Mission Together on the Back Roads. On Mission Together on the Back Roads. So up until this point, you've heard a host of sermons, and um, I want to talk today a lot about conversion as we open up this passage from about the Ethiopian eunuch. And up to this point in Acts 2, we understood 3,000 came to know Christ at Pentecost, amen? And when we think about conversion, 2,000 more at Solomon's porch, Acts 3. And then a multitude in Samaria, Acts 8. And in each case, I want to be clear, no tricks. The gospel message was the same. Christ died, Christ buried, Christ resurrected, believe the gospel, repent and believe the gospel. And I, thousands of people were converted with that simple message. Somebody ought to say amen real quick. So in light of that, it should then relieve my introverts here who get all bottled up sometime about sharing the gospel with strangers. You, you have a desire to do it, the next thing you know, you're breathing hard, you're ready to get back home to your tea and books, <laughs> and you go home, and you, it, the, the push of it, it, it almost makes you nervous. And then my extroverts, they get the same opportunity, and then they just prepare a 75-word message to get the gospel to the person. But what I want you to know is, it's Jesus who does the work. He calls us to follow him into mission. So that lands us at the story here in Acts 8. And what I need you to see about the story in Acts 8, um, about the Ethiopian eunuch, it is not just about evangelism, but it teaches us how true conversion happens. Today we'll be looking at the story about an evangelist and a eunuch, an evangelist uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and what the story has to do with you and me 2,000 years later. See, let's be clear. God sends Philip 
to call the eunuch. The eunuch believes the gospel and is baptized. It's, it's a significant event because many scholars will agree that this is the first Gentile convert sparking an explosion of Christianity into Ethiopia, which was considered to be the ends of the earth during that time. And we recall Acts chapter 1 verse 8, to you shall be my witnesses, my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, here is the seedling that pushes it that way. Look at God. And this single Ethiopian story is a part of a larger story of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Prior to the ascension of Jesus, he instructed his disciples to be witnesses, Acts 1-8, and before this event was recorded in chapter 8, the disciples had been successful at witnessing in Jerusalem, but they had not ventured um, far from the city. However, the situation changed. Stephen, that great deacon, is martyred. His murder sparked violent persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Saul of Tarshish, he rises up as the magneto of the story here. Um, that led to his violent murdering. He's like an ISIS leader, church slaughtering of people in Jerusalem. It forced many believers to abandon their homes in Jerusalem and scatter to other parts of Israel, primarily Judea and Samaria. Whenever they went, they shared the gospel though. I want you to know under that deep persecution, even in scattering, they kept sharing the good news. Our text for this morning reveals that God was going to use a believer named Philip, to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. The providential will of God is going to put Philip in a collision course with an African who needed to hear the good news of Jesus. And God sets us on those same collision courses. Don't avoid the crash. Don't pump the brakes. Don't push the emergency brake. Crash into somebody with that beautiful grace of the gospel that they might not ever be the same after you've shared it with them. So in today's text, I'm a, I'm a Baptitarian, I'm simple. Three points, Philip is sent, Philip shares the gospel with the Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian is saved. Philip is sent, Philip, Philip shares, and the Ethiopian is saved. Let's walk this out. Philip is sent. God sends believers to reach people with the gospel starting at verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her, he was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on the way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, and the spirit told Philip, go and join to his chariot. Let's get there. Philip was called by this angel of the Lord to go to this Ethiopian official. The text says on a desert road, I call it a back road, headed south. The place he was from, um, when we say Ethiopia, I don't want you to, it's not necessarily the same, but it's probably the kingdom of Cush, south of Egypt, which is more modern day Sudan. So to listen to the call of God and going to the back road, I want to get this clear, it was extremely dangerous in this context, in this cultural moment, especially on, deser on, on deserted roads. There was no rest stops. There was no lighting. There was no um, 7-Elevens. There was murderers, robbers, and crazy folk that would kill you and take you hostage, maybe, on these deserted roads. 
The angel only tells Philip to go, no specific reason or purpose. Philip obeys and heads down the road. You have to wonder, what was Philip thinking? Was he going to run into some danger? Was this, what, did he think this was crazy? Did he think he was going to get done in or maybe die on this mission trip? Maybe he did, but he went. Or, or maybe this wasn't the first time Philip um, had heard the angel give him something to do that he didn't quite understand. Maybe it wasn't his first time because we see Philip just did it. He went to the chariot and just rolled with it. I love Philip's obedience here. I love his simple obedience. And I love his sensitivity to God's spirit and to God's sending. We can all learn from Philip here. The ghost of God knows how to guide. He knows how to drive. All you need to do is ride in the back seat and let him get you to where he wants you to be, that you might have a collision course with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Let him drive. But be sensitive to the Spirit. Don't be sensitive to just your plan. Don't be sensitive to just your schedule. Let the Holy Ghost send you a Google calendar to get you rolling and flowing into places and spaces where broken people are that we might give this beautiful gospel. I don't want you to miss the meticulous reality of this story. Our God is a meticulous God. He can see a black ant on a black hill on a black night. So this story is not incidental. The, the character, it's just not incidental. An Ethiopian, start with that. Someone who was considered a foreigner outside of the people of God. Philip, known as the evangelist, a deacon of the church, had recently experienced the martyrdom and the murder of the fellow evangelist and deacon Stephen. This Ethiopian was a high official in the Ethiopian empire as the queen's treasurer, a eunuch, a very religious man who had traveled a great distance to worship God. And now this non-high official, Philip, is sent to show him the good news of the high official, the high king, the treasure of the ages, Jesus. So you don't have to be a high official, but the one you proclaim is the highest official. That's our reality. So we don't step in with trepidation. We step in with Holy Ghost boldness, we used to say in the old church. In other words, he was a person that was outside of the Jewish people. During that time, he would have not normally been approached, let alone had the gospel share with him. But the Spirit tells Philip to go to the chariot that this man is in and stay near it. The Spirit of God is all about the business of conversion. I think we forget that, that the Holy Ghost is the converter. He is the great helper that helps us to know Jesus. The Spirit is at work on believers so that we might follow and obey Christ to work in some folk who don't know Jesus. See, God has sent Philip now to this God-fearer, but IDC, he's sending you to God-fearers, God-doubters, God-haters. He's sending us still there, and we must go, good, bad, or ugly. We must obey the Spirit of God on mission to the lost with urgency, with aggressiveness, with an, in, in an alignment with the Spirit, empowered with Holy Ghost boldness that the Spirit gives. This is a lesson for all of us in multiple ways, how God sends and uses his people. Also, this is also a reminder how he urgently and specifically and aggressively and actively is calling us, his church, to pursue the lost. Why do I say that as a church planner and as a pastor and as an educator and as a Christian? So often we see in church planting nowadays where there's a strategic move that lacks a sovereign God. 
we see a bunch of innovation that lacks intimacy with God. And so we miss the urgency of people getting lost because we have our camp or our tribe and we make God a tribal deity that, that when you come to us, we're this thing or this thing or this thing and we transfer other believers from other parts of Raleigh to come here. Um, I'm so glad that so many folk are saved in here. I'm so glad. I'm more impressed with the baptism than the full house. Amen, somebody. We're more impressed with people who've met Jesus, been smacked in the face with grace and come. And so, so many church planters got to learn we are not swapping believers for seats. We are going after the least, last, and the lost that they might be smacked in the head with the gospel of grace, that they might know Jesus, that we might have more baptisms than Twitter likes. We care about the lost. Y'all can say amen. Don't be scared. Y'all Baptists, just legal. I thought we were Presbyterian. Walter, you told me the 11 o'clock was awake. They went decaf this morning. I'm just playing. Don't tweet that. Don't tweet that. So I'm saying, guys, so let's follow Jesus. Let's follow the Spirit in his rich mission field here in Riley and beyond. We want baptisms to be so ridiculously regular. That is ridiculous. We want that pool filled all the time. We want it overrun with folk constantly up here. Those are good problems for the church, isn't it? Let's push and pray for that. Let's push and pray for that. My second idea, so Philip is sent. Second idea, Philip then is sent, but he also shares the gospel. See, God calls us to share the gospel with people. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32, now the scripture passage he was reading, what an alley-oop. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb, his silent before his shearers. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this, his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying? Uh, what is the, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Excuse me. Philip um, proceeded to tell him. The good news about Jesus beginning with the scripture. When I think about Philip proceeded to tell him, the ESV says Philip opened his mouth and told him. See, Philip obediently runs towards the chariot, and here's the man reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The eunuch offers an invitation for Philip to come and sit with him. This would have been equivalent to a major congressman in Riley inviting Walter Strickland to come sit in his limo with him and tell him about Jesus. That's what I want you to feel. To do so meant that it would have been a great honor for Philip to be in the chariot. And listen to this. Specifically, he's reading Isaiah 53. What an alley-oop. I've shared the gospel with people that were selling cocaine, not reading Isaiah 53. <laughs> I've shared the gospel with people who were, um, just got finished from fighting in front of my house on Father's Day. Help me somebody right now. I did that. I ain't never been blessed with a joker up in Isaiah 53 already. I'm jealous of Philip right now in Jesus' name. And so he's reading Isaiah 53. What an alley from God. Sheep have gone astray, despised, rejected of other men. How does Philip tackle this evangelistic opportunity? Philip simply shared the good news about Jesus, beginning with Scripture. Met him where he was. 
He caught an alley-oop from God and proceeded to dunk. Simply, what a dunk. Simply put, Peter just hears the text and makes a beeline to Jesus. Simply, he wasn't playing. He just jumped in there. But I want you to see he met him where he was, didn't he? So what I want you to hear, IDC, is when when you get an alley-oop like that, stay in it. And God throws multiple alley-oops. I talked about this in the first service. We got people with, with Atlanta Braves hat on, right? Talk about Atlanta Braves. Talk about how they're awful and how Jesus could heal them. You can, you can do that. You could talk about the Carolina Panthers if they got a Panther shirt on and how, you know, God can heal them too, maybe. And um, uh-oh, 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 and this and that. So, that's, so God can work in what you have, but meet folk where they are. If, if they're drinking coffee, meet them in their coffee moment. If they're at the Apple store, meet them in their iPhone moment. Meet them where they are with this gospel. Let God throw you an alley-oop and dunk it. Don't you shift from what God is doing and come up with your own plan and whip out your track in your Roman road so you can go roboticministries.com. Don't do that. Let God drive. You get in the back and ride with him. And let him take you down the road to share the gospel. He's a better evangelist than you. He takes the Old Testament and runs with it. He uses the Bible. He uses the Bible to share the scripture. See, he's at the suffering servant. What an alley-oop. He's at substitutionary atonement. He's, He's seeing where this suffering servant has experienced violence of God from others. Uh, um, He's experienced the violence from God and from others. He sees this suffering servant victimized by the sins of all humans, past, present, and future. Yet he sees him as a volunteer because no man took Jesus' life, but he laid it down. He was a victimized volunteer that experienced violence for the least, the last, and the lost. I love it. In the, in the CSB, it says he proceeded to say. In the ESV, it says he opened his mouth. Hey, church, sometimes evangelism is just letting Jesus open your mouth. Sometimes you can't get stuck in being scared. You can't get stuck in silence. You can't get just scattered in thought. You just can't be struggling with worrying about rejection. Sometimes you just got to open your mouth and let God do his work through you. I know you're scared. It's all right. The Holy Ghost ain't scared. I owned a barbershop for many years, about 12 years. I always, people say, well, you know, I always tell people, clippers don't cut hair. I cut hair. Clippers remove hair. All you are is a clipper in the hands of a saving God. Let him remove that sin. All you are is a little dirty clipper. The haircut looks good. You don't say thank you, clippers. You say thank you, Doug. So when God uses you to share the gospel with somebody, you don't necessarily say, thank you, Doug. You say, thank you, Jesus. You say, thank you, Jesus. But the problem when we don't open our mouth, can I take a break for a second? The problem why we don't open our mouth, because we forget how dirty we was. We forget how nasty we was. We forget how trifling we was. We forget the nasty sins that we were. And we forget the celebration of when we were lost in sin and Jesus stepped in and pulled us out of the miry clay and saved our dirty, nasty selves. We forget to celebrate that night when we got born again. We forget the baptism waters. We forget that we should be in hell. We forget that we just 
deserve death and separation. We forget. I want to remind you, church, you don't deserve grace, but Jesus gives it anyway. And you ought to celebrate how Jesus saved you. But when you're reminded of his celebration, of his salvation, that means you won't hold back and be stingy with this gospel. We got to stop being stingy and start being generous with this gospel. But it starts with you waking up, being surprised by grace yet again, being surprised that you saved. You know you was wrong. You know you were promiscuous. You know you was doing drugs. You know you escaped death, seen danger, seen and unseen. But yet look at God. He showed up with Holy Ghost shea butter and cleaned you up. You ought to give him praise. Y'all think I'm crazy up in here. Did y'all forget he saved you? Did y'all forget you can't earn the salvation you have? We sometimes forget. I'm, I'm here to remind you. That death, hell, and destruction, disease, and disaster was our life. But Jesus shows up, bears the wrath we deserve. He murders death so that death can't murder us. And he comes in and cleans us up, undeserving. So many people praise God after they get saved for what he gave them. When I think about my salvation, I praise God for what he didn't give me. He didn't give me the death I deserved. He didn't give me the diseases I deserved. He held back danger seen and unseen. I'm so grateful for what I didn't get, not just what he gave. So sometimes you just got to take a praise break. So we're going to do one now because y'all, because we need some Holy Ghost caffeine up in this mug. How many people happy about Jesus right now? How many people happy they're not going to hell right now? You ought to give them praise. We don't sing Church of God in Christ songs. You ought to give them some praise. He's worthy to be praised. Glory to God. Hallelujah in the highest. Let the people of God say amen. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Now, when you have that reminder, you know how easy it is to share the gospel with a person you know is going to hell? Are you okay still drinking your coffee with a bunch of people going to burn in hell? When you know this goodness that God has thrown in you that you don't deserve, we got to get it away. In the old church, we would say, Christians get all they can, they can all they get, and then they sit on the can. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's get all we can and give it away. See, people won't understand your praise because often they don't understand your pain. So when I talk about giving God praise for who he is, there's a pain that I worship through. I, I praise God through the pain of it. See, people don't understand your predicaments, your pressures, and your problems. So it's a praise that is birthed out of me through problems, not through a perfect life. And so when you look at people, you got to see their brokenness and their problems, that God might birth a praise out of them where they come to know Jesus through your message. Will you change the trajectory of great-grandchildren? That's the impact of salvation. That's the impact of salvation. Me and Tony got grandkids. I got a great-grand. And by God's grace, him from Detroit and me from Patterson, we are hoping to change the trajectory of our grandkids because somebody shared the gospel with us. You have to see your cosmic position as a believer, that you have a cosmic position with this gospel. It cosmically changes a person's trajectory. 
It doesn't just give him a new church and an envelope to tithe. It moves him from hell bound to heaven bound. It moves him from your enemy to your brother and sister. You got to see that in evangelism or you won't do it. You'll just be lazy and a bad Christian. Let's be good Christians, Riley. We got air conditioned chairs, TVs. We're safe here. We can just get that gospel out. Amen. I'm almost out of time. Tony's looking at me funny. I feel racially profiled with this short time. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. I forgive you, Tony. Etch a sketch. Etch a sketch. Back to the text. See, Philip knows that God in his sovereignty has specifically placed him here at this moment in this chariot, on this road, to share this beautiful gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was not exactly sure that the man would be converted, yet he was obedient to share it. See, church, we have a lot of theological concepts, denominationalism, doctrinal differences, but let me be clear, Jesus is our good news. The sim that simple Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected is good. It was good for this eunuch, and it's good for the people that don't know Jesus yet in Raleigh. Philip shared Jesus with the Ethiopian. The gospel is about Jesus, not necessarily about just your testimony. I want to hear more about Jesus than your testimony. I'm not mad at you. I like your testimony. It's awesome over coffee with, uh, with believers. But sometimes you, when you share the gospel with a lost person, do more about Jesus if it's okay. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at your testimony. You buy me food, you treat, and I'm eating. Will, you can tell me your testimony. You save that for me, and we tell unbelievers Jesus died, buried, and resurrected, and that if they don't turn, there's only two ways Jesus deals with people. He saves them and makes them family, or he sends them to hell and separates them forever. Let's be there. This is cosmic work. Cosmic work that he uses the whole church for. Every chance you get, tell somebody about Jesus creatively smoothly use every kind of way you can because you know what hell is and you know how far jesus brought you my last idea then i am driving to richmond i'm gonna get four tickets i'm gonna blame idc <laughs> we were in omaha for about four days then we were in kansas city for two flew to richmond for a couple of hours then drove here, I am ready to be at my house. Amen, somebody. <laughs> my last idea, the Ethiopian is saved. Philip is sent. Um, Philip, who said that? Don't you ever do that again. <laughs> he thought I had a senior moment, Pastor. <laughs> Philip shares the gospel. You know, hacked into my iPad. That's what he did. And then the Ethiopian is saved. God saves people through the simple serving Christ on mission. As he, they were traveling down the road, I'm in verse 36, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. I'll stop there. So, Philip shares the gospel, and if he's baptizing them, we believe he's made a profession of faith and was converted. Amen, somebody? What an alley-oop. But I want to talk about conversion for a second. Converted. 
transformed by the power of the gospel. Move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Move from being a hellion to a saint. Jesus does it. You can't do it. You can't earn it. There's no way you can work it out. There's no negotiating. You can't Bitcoin your way through. You can't degree your way through. You can't swag your way through. You can't grandma your way through. You must come to know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to him but by through Jesus. It's that simple. I love it. It's, 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 it's tight but right. Amen. So they are converted. So much needed for our churches. See, God in his sovereignty had prepared both the Ethiopian and the evangelist for this moment. God prepares people for you in your moments. See that. See, this. See yourself as the Philip here. And then I want you to remember yourself as the Ethiopian here. The Ethiopian man had found in Jesus what he had not found on his pilgrimage to Jerusalem. He found salvation there. See, look at God's divine providential hand. He providentially had an education so he could read. A lot of people couldn't read in that context. He had a high position in the treasury that allowed him to travel for this collision with Philip. Wealth made it possible for him to buy an Isaiah scroll. The scrolls were very expensive. And then here's the oxymoronic providence, providential disappointment. He had a disappointment that he couldn't understand the text so that God might send Philip to explain it and lead him to Jesus. I thank God for providential disappointment. Folk trying to figure stuff out, can't figure it out, they're forced to ask. What is this? I'm mindful of Acts 2. What must we do to be saved? I'm so good, glad with providential disappointment. Disappointed he didn't know what it meant that he had to ask a Christian what it meant. God sets those up for you. See, there's no obstacle that can place a person beyond the saving call of the good news. God in his spirit is bring, um, brings all the essential elements together to bring a person to Christ. What Luke is making sure you see is Philip's divine guidance, the Holy Ghost. See, God's providential work to bring redemption to a sinner's life God uses everything to reach and teach unbelievers. You don't do the heavy lifting in evangelism. God does. God does the work. You're just the clipper. See, Israel's law, and this is significant for the eunuch, Israel's law excludes sexually deformed people from being able to enter into the assembly of the Lord, Deuteronomy 23.1. The eunuchs were not allowed in the innermost court of the temple. So he's made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship, but he's not even allowed in the temple to worship. But look at God. Look at the prophetic fulfillment from Isaiah 56, 3-5. Stay with me. Isaiah 56, 3-5. Look what it says. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, look, I am, dry, I am a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. Isaiah 56, 56, 8 says this, this is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others beside those already gathered. You see that text? So this Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem to get something that only Jesus could give them. And when people out on these streets that don't know Jesus, they go to different places, whether it's drugs or sex or pornography, to get something that only Jesus can fill. And Jesus is using you 
to present them with the only alternative that saves their souls, Jesus. He asks you to do that. And look at this eunuch. He's a foreigner. He's a eunuch. This man is both from Isaiah 56. For the treasure from the kingdom of Cush, Isaiah 56, 3-5, is now a reality that the day of prophecy was fulfilled in his life. Could you, it's, it, do you understand the, the, the prophetic collision? All the prophecies landed, and, 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 and thank God for Luke, who tells us about this amazing story. It's a collision with grace across boundaries, races, and nationalities. Remember, this section of Isaiah is very much prefiguring the expansion of the church from the original Jewish followers of Jesus to the rest of the world. And he is sharing with a non-Jewish God-fearer when he gets back to Africa, who is going to likely share the gospel back at Africa. What a divine transfer. This is God using the church, getting the gospel to the ends of the earth with a non-Jewish Ethiopian. Regardless of the nationality, race, status, or geography, Philip shows us here that the gospel transcends all of these barriers. So often missing in our churches is a heart and an urgency for reaching the lost and seeking conversions of the lost. So let's work for conversions, and let's not let any tribal, tribalism cause us to think we have a specific target group. Our target group is the lost. Our weapon is the gospel. The one who holds the gun and shoots the gun and hits the target is Jesus. You are simply the tripod on the sniper's rifle. You just hold it steady, baby. Jesus will get his man. It's God's sovereignty. He is effectively preparing us to hear and believe the gospel of Jesus for conversions. We believe because God has called us, no matter how far we've gone, if you're here today, no matter how far you've gone away, Disavowed God, disavowed the scriptures. The call to Jesus is still for you. What assurance we have knowing that by God's spirit through his church to connect Jews to Ethiopians on a back road by his miraculous power. See, Jesus' power isn't just miraculous, it's also meticulous. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm screaming to you. Repent and believe the gospel today. You can't save yourself. Jesus can do it. If you're here today and you have received Jesus, repent and believe and be reminded of the meticulous, specific, sovereign, ridiculous, cosmic, calculated, amazing hound dog, hunt you down grace that God did to save you. Of the millions of people he found you with a literal needle in a haystack. I mean, millions and zillions of people have lived in history. And if you're saved, he stuck his hand into that haystack of zillions and found you and saved you. Let that be a reminder of how meticulous God is. And there is nothing we can do to earn it, so there's nothing we can do to lose it. God did it, and it can't be undone. My last piece is this, Acts 8.40. We see that the passage that after he came to faith, Philip got quantum leaped out, zooka, zooka, zooka. That's my charismatic sound, zooka, zooka, zooka. 
And I love the text because look what it says. 39, when he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Good God. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. See, when you share the gospel, you might not see that person ever again. The return on investment is not for your portfolio. But it does get registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. And God keeps a meticulous QuickBook system. Therefore, I'll quote old preacher Count Zindendorf. This is what he says. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Philip preaches the gospel, and that man walked away, maybe not even knowing Philip's name. But the name he knew was the name that's above all names. The name that's excellent above all things. The name that is worthy that angels and humans will gather around in that last day. The name that makes demons run. The name that heals sickness. The name that brings deaf people to life. The name that deals with barriers and makes black folk and white folk and Asian folk, one folk under his name. That excellent name. The name is sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. One said, his name is excellent, worthy of praise. That name, this something about that name. Jesus, Jesus. That name is a powerful name. It makes demons scatter. It makes kings run and try and perplexes kings. It makes, it, it, it makes the exiles return back to citizenship. It's something about that name. It's a sweet name. It's a powerful name. It's the name above all names, the song says. It's something about that name. That name reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. It's that name of Jesus that the eunuch remembered. And my, when we share the gospel, that I don't care if they remember remember your name. I'm a Christian. I call you bro and sis. I don't know none of y'all names. But when, but when they walk away from your evangelism, they remember the name of Jesus. And they remember the name of Jesus for their mom and them. They remember the name of Jesus for their city. They remember the name of Jesus. If they forget your name, I want to tell you, God hasn't forgotten you. He's written you in the Lamb Book of Life in Christ. We will be together again. So let's get about this business of seeing people of Raleigh come to Jesus. Let's go hard in the paint. Let's give the devil a fit. Let's smack some of these enemies and cults around with this gospel. Here, I want you to see Jesus as I close. As you know, a eunuch who was a foreigner, eunuch means his physical manhood was cut off. But the fulfilled eunuch is Jesus. He was cut off on the cross from his father as he bore the wrath. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was cut off so you could be cut in. Trust him today. If you're here and you don't, be, and you don't trust him, man, we want to be your church. We want you to get saved. We didn't even let the water out. We could baptize you right after service. You can get some coffee, and we'll run the Target and get you some clothes. <laughs> well, I want to pray right now and get up out of here because Donnie is ready to sing this last song, and he's been looking at me funny.
Father in heaven, um, and guys, and this, this communion we're going to take is going to preach a better sermon than me. So remember, the, the communion preaches better than the preacher. Father in heaven, we thank you. We love you. Move mightily. For those who don't know you, um, provoke them to hear. Mess up their sleep. Disturb their day to day that you might press upon them to receive you as Savior. And for those that know you, God, remind them of how crazy it is that they even know the God of eternity. That the God of eternity is their Abba, their dad. How crazy the ridiculous relationship we have as former enemies, now sons. As former haters, now home with you, God. How crazy. So God, give us a fresh joy and a reminder of your saving work. And bless IDC to give the devil a fit in Raleigh. And God, we want good problems. We want baptisms every week. Get us through this summer with so many people coming to know you that we just have to get more volunteers and more people. Help us in the rest of our gathering. In Jesus' name, amen.